Tapity, 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 tapity. Are you finishing your children's novel? Yeah. It's called Alex the Biggest Douchebag. That's not for kids. <laughs> Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. Presented by Cinema Summit. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 34 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson, and today we're going to be talking about editing your own shit. But first, Alex, what are we drinking today? We are drinking... The Silver Bullet. The Silver Bullet. Oh, man. The Rockies are blue. Oh, are they? <laughs> They're so blue. And speaking of drinking uh, Coors Light, I just want to give a shout out and uh, shut the fuck up to uh, Zeph. Yeah, Zeph, get um, out of here. It's know, chilly over yeah, here. It's chilly it's in a, LA. It's a brisk 65 right now, Zeph, yeah. okay? Yeah. I almost had to put on pants today instead of shorts. So shut the hell up. We had, we had to turn off the heater because we it makes too much noise for the podcast. Yeah. And um, now my toes are numb. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. Um, I can I cannot feel them at the moment. Or maybe I'm just not moving them, and so I yeah. can't tell. And my stinky breath, I can see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Sh- suck it, Zeph. Our cold is different than your cold, and our cold is worse. So that's why it's hard to drink this beer. But we're going to do it for you guys. Yeah. That's what we do for our fans? Yeah. I had to. Put, um, we had to put the beer in the koozie, mm-hmm. both to keep it frosty and to protect our hands, our ungloved hands. So. I'm, I'm shivering. I'm I, Like, if you hear teeth clattering, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure once we get outside, there's going to be a, a slight dew on our car that we're going to have to wait, um, you know, to leave because we can't see out the windshield. It's that rough. That I mean, that actually is true. The last couple times we've left here, <laughs> um, but also, you know, I'll just have to get my ice scraper with my meatins. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to scrape off ice. You just like shuffle off water. It's like a squeegee. <laughs> So yes, Zeph, uh, shut up. It's cold. Uh, I don't care what you say. Um, so um, since we got past the, 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 the got that out of our system real quick, what's new with us, Alex? What is new? Well, we have two new podcasts in the works, Trevor. Yeah, because this has been such a success. This has been such a... You know, we could gauge this has been a success because he's actually been doing it consistently. And that's, yeah. that's rare that's for us. That's why it's a success. Yeah. And it can only get better from here. Man, can it? <laughs> yeah, it's got, I mean, yeah. Um, so we have two more, two more. Why do we total, do this for ourselves? Uh, for a total of three podcasts that we're going to have going. Are we, are we starting a podcast network? I mean, can we, we say are, that? We, yeah. We're not starting it. We are it. <laughs> <laughs> we are it. Yeah. Um, I mean. Th- we, I think we should call it Podcast One or something. That seems hmm. pretty good. I think we should call it the Adam Carolla Joe Rogan Podcast <laughs> Network. <laughs> Nailed it. Carogan. So, yeah, Caro- we're so going to be sued and get foreclosed on. <laughs> yep, we're going to get foreclosed on. <laughs> uh, woo. Um, yeah, so uh, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to release that right now, what they are. We think they'll be fun. They'll be a little more fun than this. Is. I mean, this is fun for us at least, not for you guys listening. <laughs> yeah. But um, they'll be they'll be a lot more. It'll be a lot less information and more just entertainment. Yeah, but still movie related. Yeah. And but yep. not necessarily like filmmaking related. Filmmaking related. Film Although, watching related, <laughs> which they're, they're people want to hear. 
They're both film watching related, but I'm sure we'll talk about it as well from the filmmaking perspective. While no budget filmmaking is infotainment, <laughs> you like that? These more these other two podcasts are more dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just stupid. Yep. I think we can tell them what it is. Why not? Yeah. I mean, go go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So one of them is called Frightcast. It's going to be mm-hmm. a horror yeah. podcast about horror films wherein we announce what movie we're watching ahead of time so that you can watch it and be on the same page with us as we go over it and discuss all the crazy lunacy that takes place in said horror film. The second one... Which, which to say, if, if you guys haven't gotten from this podcast, me and Alex are big horror fans. Yeah. Um, our script that we're working on now is a sci-fi horror. We like horror. We love horror. I, Every have, t- I have a love-hate relationship with horror, yeah. which is why I think it'll be fun. Um, I always want to watch horrors. I'm always... Yeah. I'm mostly disappointed in horrors. Yeah. I mean, they're... They are. It's very easy to make a bad horror film. Oh man, it's um, so easy. And when it's when it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, but when it's good, it's awesome. It's oh, like amazing. So good. Paranormal Activity. When we first saw that, that was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, pretty the, good. The newest Halloween. Maybe I didn't see good. that yet. Really I gotta good. see that. I gotta see that. Um, um, yeah. So then, we're gonna be uh, doing that. Um, then the know, second one. Go ahead. We got it. It's called. Trailer trash. <laughs> where we, we wear cover, wife beaters. We wear wife beaters. And we drink Coors Light. Uh, and drink Coors Light. It's not much different it's than this much podcast. Different than this. Um, wow. Except there's more mustard stains. <laughs> and um, why mustard? And I Knowing hate my you, family be, more. It'd be mayonnaise stains, but and you hate your family more. <laughs> God, your mom is one of the uh, two <laughs> listeners, so don't piss her off. I know that's true. Uh, I see our numbers. Mom, dropping. I still love you. I, I see still our love dropping. you, mom. I apologize. Don't listen to Alex. I love my family. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to going home for Christmas. <laughs> um, um, so in that in yeah. that show, we discuss the newest trailers that drop on the scene. Hot lava. The hottest new trailers. Uh, we we talk about them. What we think is cool. What we think looks pretty lame. And then uh, rate them. Wait, rate if we can see the movie based only on the trailer. No, no other outside information. Yeah. No reviews of of early screeners. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. We got that. Um. So those are the two things we're going to be pushing out in the new year. New year is a big year for Gilded Cinema Cinema Summit No Budget Filmmaking Podcast for us. Yeah. Uh. Don't know if it's going to translate to money, but hey. <laughs> but hey, who knows? Hey, who knows? Who knows? Who what knows? else but, is new, Trevor? Um. We also this past weekend shot a little scene. You know, got we out did. our uh, big beefy V. You know, it's funny. Uh, we have the big V35. Love the camera. Love it. We also would love to get an LT. It's a little baby brother. Mm-hmm. Um, same sensor. Looks oh, awesome. We were so close. So co- No, we weren't. No, we weren't. <laughs> we, lo- right. we saw one that was for sale, but uh, we didn't jump on it. Um, but it's funny. And this goes back to you, Zeph. We were in the studio um, Saturday before we were shooting. They were setting up, you know, dressing the set. And we had to upgrade the camera. And yeah. it, the camera sensor has to be at a certain temperature before you do the auto, like the black balance, so that the mm-hmm. the blacks are the blacks, and you know it uh, gets accurate color uh, readings. And uh, you know what? It took like an hour and a half for the camera to get up to temperature because it was so chilly in here. I even had to put it in front of the heater and yeah. put my put my jacket around it. You had to format the card twenty seven times. Yeah, just to get the get the computer in there running, so it would create some heat. So, um, but we were able to bring that bad boy out and shot with it and love it. Yeah. Fell back in love with it. Um, and yeah. it, it had troubles because it was so cold because it had to be um, 
It had to be over 85 degrees, and it was stuck at 75 because it was chilly in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, to make everyone feel better about us, uh, it had to be above 38 degrees Celsius, which, if, if, I, if my math is correct and my conversion from Canada is correct, that like it had to be above 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's how cold it was. <laughs> yeah, about there, approximately. Yeah. I had to get my ice scraper and scrape off the sensor mm-hmm. uh-huh, from all the ice. But uh, So we shot with that. It was just a little scene that we did for a friend of ours, um, and uh, it went well. It went well. I, well, I, like, well, yeah. I like how it was shot. I, I like the look of it all. We, I mean, this is this is crazy, guys. We have these hives, which are these great LED lights. Um, and we were shooting in our studio, and it, Alex kept asking me to lower the light, the the light intensity. And I was at like a three, and he was like, "All right, lower it one more, or lower it." And I keep lowering it, and he's like, "All right, we need to go lower." I'm like, "We're at one. This is the lowest we can go without it being off." He's like, "Really? One yeah. percent?" That V thirty five sensor is so sensitive; it's so beautiful, so crazy. And that wasn't even in the five thousand ISO yeah. space. Yeah. That was in native eight hundred. I know. And I think I even dropped it down below eight hundred, maybe. What? I don't know. Man, it's that's just crazy. a crazy camera. Uh, we were also, I was testing out the Atomus Shogun Inferno. And your thoughts? I was a little disappointed, if I'm going to be fully honest. Oh, man. And we're big Atomus fans. I like Atomus. Yep. I really want their Sumo, which is their 19-incher. Oh, with a, with quad input recording oh, yeah. and live switching. Oh, Looks pretty cool. Uh, but this camera, or not this camera, this monitor has a little, same with their Flame version, yeah. the Shogun Flame, it has a, a little bit, a hint of a high-pitched squeal to it. Yeah, I think they have, instead of heat sinks, they have fans, and it Which sucks. Which is upsetting. Yeah, because... Because other companies do it, like uh, uh, Convergent Design... Small makes HD. The, ...makes the... Um, Odyssey 7Q. Odyssey 7Q, which is a recorder... You know, yeah, small HD. Small HD is a recorder, recorder, but I, I assume the recording functions is are what uh, make it re- need a fan. Yeah, but you think that if we didn't have any media in there, like you didn't, it, it would turn it. off the fan. <sighs> Atomus, maybe, maybe I'm just dumb, and you can actually turn off the fan. No, because remember settings. we shot with the Atomus, the older Atomuses, when we did the stuff for USC, and we tried forever with our sound guy to turn it off, and it didn't. Yeah, you're right. <sighs> Atomus, I love you, but. You, Come on, guys. Give us a fanless. Yeah. I mean, something. Give us something that doesn't have a fan. Um, granted, you know, it would be greater if we had the camera further away from the sound, but you can't always do that. Yep. So we just got to make sure that you don't have a sound of a fan just whirring around. Yeah. But to be um, honest, we don't need a recorder for no, that. I mean, no. I, I wanted it because it's like a nice price range. Yep. The small HD that I would get or I would want, mm-hmm. is like twice as much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, well, we'll keep testing them out. Maybe we'll get that Sumo. Sumo yeah. looks sick. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think maybe what we need to do is if we want to get, we should just get a monitor for the camera, for the camera op, and if we want an external recorder, we just bring it off to the side. You know, maybe run a Well, cam- yeah, that's why I think the, the Sumo might be perfect, because... Yeah. You know, that's more of a director monitor situation. And then you can have like have it farther away. Can have uh, first AC or second, maybe probably second AC record on that bad boy when it goes. Unless it, it does, it, is it auto trigger recording from the I camera? Auto trigger. Oh but, shit, son! I don't know. Love me that. All right. Well, if it doesn't, then uh, Adamus, do that too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Um, yeah, get on that, Adamus. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll sum it up for what's new. Um, so let's go on to the main topic at hand. And that is a question that a lot of people have. Um, so, you know, when you get into freelancing, a lot of people will turn to editing and become an editor because it's easy to get real quick gigs. It's something you can do at home. You don't need a lot of equipment to do it. Um, and that being said, when they get into filmmaking, they, they sit around and they wonder, should I edit my own stuff or should I give it to an editor? Yep. Um, you know, famously, people do a lot of editing themselves. The uh, Coen brothers come to mind. Sure. Um, Roderick Janes, is that is that their editor? Um, I don't know. Uh, Cohen Brothers Editors um, Yeah, Roderick Janes Because they weren't like They just didn't want to seem like they were doing everything on their movies So that is their editor, that is just them mm -hmm. um, But they, they edit their own movies uh, From start to finish um, A lot of people will give an editor A first pass and then go in there themselves And clean it up or they'll mm -hmm. do a first pass and have an editor clean it up. And then some directors and filmmakers have final cut, which just means they have final say. They don't edit it themselves, but they go in there and say, I don't want this taken out. I want this back in. Take this out, blah, 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 that and that and that. Um, so starting off, Alex, what are you, what is your thinking when it comes to editing? Well, your own stuff. Okay. Yeah, because I actually despise, loathe, in <laughs> fact, editing other people's <laughs> stuff. Um. Mainly because I'm lazy when it comes to post-production. Um, it's hard. The, it, the idea of getting hard drives like delivered to my house from, or whatever, like picking up hard drives of stuff that I've never seen before, having to sift through it all, log it, and categorize it, and all that, and have no knowledge or interest in the project, you know, like of the way it was shot or anything like that. And having to cobble it together, that's just not my thing. Yeah, it's, I really don't want to do that. It's tough, and 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 I will say that if you are going to have somebody else edit your stuff, I would definitely recommend having them come on set as much as they can, just so they can see the footage and they're not surprised. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that. Sometimes it's very hard when it's, and especially when it's just a gig to get like it's a money gig. Yeah, it's, it's like so a, hard. It's like a quick, what they would call a quickie, but it's yeah. never quick. I'm editing this thing for OT, and it, it, it's it's not hard. It's just tedious, tedious, and like to get my like my motivation usually comes after like I have a cup of coffee at like nine p.m. and then by I'm like into it, and at ten thirty I'm like okay now I'm tired. So yeah. I, I always get into it really yeah. late, and then I'm like oh. Um, yeah, so it, yeah, it's, I, I get what you're I, saying, but, I don't know. but but on the other hand, I love editing my own stuff. Yes, I do. Yes, and maybe it would be different if our own if the stuff you were editing wasn't like promo shit or something that was actually like like interesting it, or like, like narrative. narrative. Yeah, that may change. That that could be true. Yeah, it. I don't know. I yeah, that's a maybe. <laughs> that's a maybe. I don't know. It's a big fat maybes. Um, but to be honest, the only reason I like editing my own stuff is because. Uh, I've usually shot it, yeah, and so I have like a a an in depth idea already of like how I want it to go. Yeah, and and that leads so, us to a, kind of the pros of editing your own stuff is that yeah. you know the best on how the story should flow. You right. know, you you it's your story. Now, even the even if you didn't write the script, if you shot it, you still have an idea of how the story will go. Right, um, and so which is. No, I, I guess it's not. I thought I was gonna. Say, I was gonna say uncommon that somebody would, you know, direct something and then edit it if they didn't write it. But no, that's getting more and more common. So I mean, if you are hands on with the th entire process of 
filming it, it kind of gives you an idea of how you, you kind of, if, if you know a little bit of editing, I, I always kind of just play it through my head while I'm filming it to know how it would fit together. Cause you almost have to, to make sure you get everything. Yeah. And for me as like the, when it comes to directing and DPing and all that, I almost pre-edited in my mind yep. how in order to set up the shots that I'm going to do and, yeah. and sort of the camera movement and all that stuff. So I, I know like I want it over on one side and then we're going to like dolly over slightly and then cut to this angle. And yep. So it's like, I already know those things. So when it comes to ed- the editing process, it's almost like I'm just putting together the puzzle that I already know how to make. Yeah. Um, but then as you're doing it, another pro would be that you can see like, Oh, I missed that. Um, if you're editing it yourself yeah, and also shooting it and then it's easier to go back and, and get those shots. It's not like a chain of command thing where it's like, I think you might need this and then you have to take it, you know, to the director and the director has to take to the producer to get another shooting day. It's like, no, I'm just going to go shoot it. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit, you know, when you're working in that, that scope, it's like, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. And, and that's why, uh, in a couple podcasts ago, when we were talking about Michael Rousselet, like, that's why I kind of recommend, even if you don't plan on editing your own stuff, just get an idea of editing so that in your mind, you'll know what's possible in post while you're shooting it. Because like you said, you kind of edit it beforehand. So if you're a director and you, you're not even going to edit your own, th- edit what you're shooting, you should still at least know what's possible to edit together so that you can then, you know, go and, uh, make sure you get everything you need. You make sure you have your coverage. You make sure you, you know, your, your angles are correct. Your eye lines are correct and all that. Even if you're not going to edit it yourself, as long as you know that it makes the editing process a lot easier. But that being said, once you sit down and you're like, wait a second, we didn't get that. And I need that. I need that insert. Cause yeah. nobody gets what the hell he's talking about or yeah. holding in his hand. <laughs> need yeah. Close up on that. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it helps immensely when you're sitting down looking at the footage. And that's another thing that I kind of feel that sucks when you're editing other people's stuff, especially if they haven't organized the files very well, Ugh. is you're sitting there and you're like, wait, it's missing something. And your initial reaction commonly is that I'm missing a piece of footage. There's something here. Like, I'm missing this, this, or this. Um, I remember this, I mean, hell, it just happens, happens on like gigs too. Like I'm editing this thing and I was like, well, he talked about the interviews. I'm like, so I looked all through all this stuff and it was like 350 clips of video. And I was like, I'm got I must be missing the interviews. He said, those are the most important thing. I look, 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 spent like maybe four hours looking for all these interviews. And I emailed him like, uh, I don't know if I have the interviews. He's like, Oh, you don't. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you're sitting through yeah. hours of stuff to try to find this. And so you're sitting there, um, you know, going through the footage, we're editing a scene together and you're like, wait a second, there's no exit for this person. Oh, they, they must've gotten a pickup on another card or something. Or like at the end of the day, they pick up the person leaving. And yeah. so you spend your time looking, 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 because you don't want to like, like eat, text the director and be like, Hey, uh, there's no, they never leave the, the, the house, but the next scene they're outside. Right. Um, and 
then the director would be like, oh, it's in the pickups folder, you idiot. It's labeled walks outdoor before going outside. You know, you don't want that. So what people tend to do is just keep searching for the footage without, because they don't want to look dumb. Right. And then you're like, oh, maybe I don't have it. I know. Well, only if that was, if only that was true where they had it in a pickups folder and it was labeled walks out. You know what I mean? That never they happens. They don't. They don't. That never happens. That's why it's terrible. Um, but that's part of, I guess, being the editor. And, you know, sometimes if you're lucky, you have an assistant editor that does all that stuff for you and sort of like goes through all the footage, clips out certain sections and, and labels it in such a way that you can and puts them in bins and stuff so you can easily find things. I I think that's necessary if you're shooting anything that's over you know like 20 minutes because or if you're editing anything yeah. in 20 minutes just because um like you said if you don't have a system and you're just looking at like full clip full takes that could be multiple takes on one mm-hmm. clip yep and you don't have it organized where you can easily find like the right clip that you want or um a little sound bite that you yeah that you starred or whatever it's gonna i mean man there's just a lot that goes into it that someone who doesn't edit doesn't really think about yeah um and i think it's to me that's like what deters me from editing (laughs) most of the time is the fact that the most important part the most time intensive part is like the logging and and um organizing and without that it's it can be fun still. I mean, if it's my stuff, I don't necessarily need to. Yeah. But if it's uh, if it's something that's handed to me, I mean, there's no way I could yeah. do it without it. Yeah, I mean, we are talking about no budget filmmaking, so the the chances of you having an assistant editor yourself, uh, if somebody's hiring you to do it, probably slim to none. Yeah. Um, because they're not going to pay for that assistant editor unless you take it out of your own paycheck, or if it's a free thing, you're not going to want to. It's very hard to get somebody to come out to be an assistant for free. <laughs> yeah, and I actually think on no budget stuff, what I see is the director or whoever, the filmmaker, is the assistant editor really because what they're doing is making an assembly or like a rough cut and then they hand it off That's to true. some poor, poor soul who has to dig through their poorly uh, organized folders and you know, look at what they've done and try to make it better. Yeah. Um, which actually that when it comes to post, that's like my worst nightmare <laughs> is handing someone my, my stuff because <sighs> I do granted, like I like organization and stuff, but it's like my organization. Like I know where things are. Yeah. It's, and I hate like, I'm always embarrassed or I have to like do a quick cleanup before I hand stuff off. Yeah, I know. I I know when many times when we've gone, when you've handed me a hard drive of like all the files that you've like collected or like our assets for projects. Yeah, I'm just like, what the hell? And to you, I'm sure it makes perfect sense. <laughs> to me, it's like, what the hell is this guy thinking? Like, yeah. how the hell is this organized? I have no idea. This is so dumb. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like I, I, I will organize things in um, Premiere. Uh-huh. But I don't necessarily organize things in the actual folder, oh. so I have assets all over the place. Oh, and then, oh, but becomes, if you move things, oh, I know just, which this becomes, bugs me. This is making me freak out right now. Which becomes Keep terrible going. when um, trying to. I actually, for the longest time, I didn't know about um, the collect function. Oh, 
in After Effects because I'm I'm talking mostly like After Effects stuff because I don't really yeah. do editing gigs, but like um, uh, the collect and uh, what is it called? It's like Project Manager now, and it's called like the it's it's like the analyze and uh, package. Yeah, uh, it's so the it'll package. take everything yeah. that you're you're using in the project and consolidate it into a, its own folder uh, with the project with a copy of the project so that you can send it off to someone and they'll have all the files and the project and you don't have to worry about sending it to them and then all of a sudden they'll see the big red screen of death and oh. like have media that's not there um but yeah that saved me a lot uh but before then i would like be searching through my computer and try to find things and like move them and then i'd have to reconnect them i don't know if i want to set up these network drives with you because they're just gonna annoy the shit out of me i know we'll, well just I've have a trevor better. folder and an alex folder and yours will be a jumbled mess and mine will be neatly organized but like three things in there while yours has like 16 projects well i think the difference is when it comes to editing you're not really like working with a lot of assets yeah because when, when I do graphics and stuff, I mean, I download images, I have like vector art and and motion graphic elements mm-hmm. that I'm using or like special effects elements and stuff yeah. that I'm downloading. And so those are what get spread all over the yeah. place. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, for me at least, have you ever had this problem where you are, you get somebody else's stuff, right? And... You're editing it together, you watch it through, you scrub through the whole thing, and you're like, yep, this is great. You know, Especially if it's a project file that somebody else has worked on first. Mm-hmm. Scrub through it, and then, then you hit the export. It's like, offline media will be shown with an, uh, like an X. And you're like, where's your offline media? It's not in my edit. Why is it giving <laughs> me this error? Like, it's not, you know, yeah. I, I just wish Adobe would just give you the saying, like, there's offline media, but it does not appear to see, be in the zone that you have marked to export. Because yeah. I'm always like, wait, I have to watch this whole thing through three times <laughs> just to make sure. Just to make sure it's not like a single frame. A single frame, because you'll get somebody who's like, what is that? It's like, you son of a bitch, shut the hell up. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, there are a lot of positives to do the whole um, um, editing yourself. Yeah. Um, it is, you have a little more control. It's, it feels like ultimate, a lot more your project because... Well, the whole thing just seems more streamlined. Really. Yeah. It's like, it's all connected. I mean, it, this is why filmmaking oh. is like a team effort, you know, because like all the departments really do work very closely together. But mm-hmm. like, if you, like you said, it'd be great to have the editor on set, but if you're not able to pay them, they're not going to come. They're not gonna come. Yeah. But you're on set. Yeah. And if you're an editor, hey, jackpot. it's like double whammy. But at the same time, it can be difficult to wear too many hats. I mean, for me, it can be hard to, when I'm like DPing and directing, it can be difficult to judge like acting performances while I'm shooting because I'm like, trying to concentrate so much on making sure it's in focus. And that's almost like how our directing partnership works. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's how, you and know, the same, it's the, kind of the same with editing, though, too. Like, I... If anything, like, outside of what I've previously come up with in terms of, like, shots that I want to do for editing, uh, I find it difficult to insert them into my my brain edit. <laughs> you know? If uh, they're, like, spontaneous, like... If you if I had like a whole sequence planned out, and you're like, oh, what if we do this 
over here and it's like not really making sense for me in like the edit that I have, <laughs> Your mind just my mind explodes. <laughs> I think I'm lucky because I do a lot more editing than you do. That I, It's kind of like second nature to me to kind of do that so I can watch like... Because you kind of walk through an entire scene. So while we're walking through an entire scene, I'm able to take my brain edit and then also make edits... Uh, you know, in real time, hoo hoo, um, and then at the same time, I'm able to watch performances, just because I've done so much editing. Uh, but I can totally see where it would be like, wait a second, uh, I got to worry about camera here and lighting and 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 all this shit. And so it's really the focusing that's yeah. really hard um, to multitask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when we were shooting that short, that one day short with Bree and Mo, mm-hmm. um, and it was like I was. As we're what to do, I get stuck with the sound. Yep. And so I was just, it was the first take, the first two takes of the entire shoot. And I was just making sure sound was locked in, like making sure all the levels were good. There were no clicks. There was no interference and all that. And I remember you were running camera and then like they did the scene the second time. And then you looked at me and said, Hey Trevor, uh, any suggestions? And I was like, I was not even looking at them. I was not even paying attention to performance. Yeah. Like, and I think, <laughs> I think. That was one of those fun situations where it was a train reaction where Mo or someone asked me if there were any suggestions. <laughs> and you weren't paying attention and I to was, doing camera. I was like so locked in on camera. And I was like, Trevor? And you were like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started moving dials on the mixer. I was like, uh, you know, yeah, it sounded good. Let's uh, do it one time for coverage just to be safe. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's tough. It's tough to to hold to have that many hats uh, while you're on set. Um, but so yeah, some more cons. Um, you know, it's also a problem that when you are, I always this is gonna sound really douchey, and that's my forte. Um, I always say that actors sometimes have it easier than directors. Only, especially directors that also edit their own shit. Only because it's like. Like, uh, my wife was talking to me the other day. She's like, yeah, man, Bradley Cooper has done a lot this year. Cause he's in that mule movie, which by the way, I heard uh, like a one paragraph review and it's was like, Clint Eastwood performs not one, but two threesomes in the movie. I'm like, I'm sold. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, no. uh, but she's like, oh, he's in mule, a star is born. I think he was in a couple other movies. I was like, well, yeah, I think star is born is the only one he produced because, you know, Producing takes so much time and acting, granted, you know, I don't want to seem like, you know, a total dick about acting, but actors are, 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 especially good actors are able to go into a role, do it for the three month shoot, then immediately go to another role, pick up a script, rehearse for a month and go into another role in three months. So they can do three or four movies in a year. Granted, also, it also is staggered releases where, you know, they hold on to a movie for a year or somehow all these movies get done in post at the same time and four movies are released at the same time. But with, you know, directors and editors and, you know, people who produce, edit, and direct, and hell, even write, they're on these movies for like two years. Um, yeah. And if you're editing it, you're you're stuck on that movie for a very long time. Um, and so it, one of the cons is, is that you can't really do much else if you're editing your own movie. You can go to other projects or maybe hold meetings or do, you know, take a break and do some writing, but you're kind of stuck on this project. You can't really work on anything else while you're editing. Yeah, totally. And I think one of the things we mentioned as a pro 
uh, about being able to tell, like, if you miss things or whatever yeah. on set. Um, I think a con of doing it yourself can be that um, if you're editing it and you're directing it and you are going to miss it, you're going to miss it. Yeah. But if you have, like, an editor on set who is not you... Yeah. And you've missed a shot that doesn't, you know, there's not enough connective mm-hmm. tissue, as they say. <laughs> um, Lame. Then um, that editor's going to notice mm-hmm. and bring it up. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know. I think I almost, I had that happen on this shoot in New York for B&H. And it, oh. I, there was this editor. It was like a crazy shoot uh-huh. with no time scrambling all over the place no clue was going on uh the editor totally like saved my butt because he was like well i think it'd be nice if we had this and i was like cool let's do that then because <laughs> yeah not only would it be cool if we had this but it'd be helpful for the edit if we had this like, that is <laughs> yeah. like like if like yeah, if we're exactly. ever like if people are ever scared to talk up on set for like in their like realm of expertise. If an editor comes up to me, he's like, Hey, I think we should get this for the edit because it'll matter. I'll be like, you are a genius. Yep. No, do not be ever be scared to come talk to me. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can save your ass easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, and also at the same time, it's always good to have a fresh pair of eyes on the material. Yeah. So they may be able to, especially if it's always one of those things where when you're writing a screenplay, people say the hardest thing to do is to kill a character that you love or cut out a scene that you really like. Right. Don't Same want to kill said, your babies, as they say. Exactly. Ooh, jeez. Dark. Got so real dark. dark. Yeah, so it got Alex dark. Um, and so the same could be said in the edit. Like, you might want to not cut a scene, um, or you may not want to cut out certain interactions, even though it speeds up, it propels the movie, the story further and yeah. faster. Um, and it's good to have a p- fresh pair of eyes. that are like, you know, you don't need this. This still works. This works. This works. This works. Uh, you don't need that. Yeah. Um, especially because you bring on all these things that have nothing to do with the yeah. story. And it, you're, you're like, oh man, that scene took so long to shoot. And like, it made us go into the 12th hour yeah. And we set up all this stuff, and you bring that to the edit when you're like, I need to put this in there because I spent so much time on it. But the editor's going to be like, uh, no, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's stronger without it, you know, all these things. Yeah. And so they'll be able to tell you that when you, when uh, your body says yes. Especially, especially when it comes to, you'll hear the horror stories all the time, like, oh my God, I'm in a movie. And they're like, awesome, let's go see the movie. Oh my God, I'm not in this movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, you know, it sucks for the actor. Um, and a lot of times the director won't want to cut somebody completely out because they paid them. Right. And they're like, well, I can't get come out. They're pivotal. They're pivotal. Um, and it's like, well, no, a, a, a fresh editor comes in. He, they could be like, you don't need this character or this character. <laughs> I want to see if Alex gets this reference, even though I haven't seen the movie because I refuse to, and I will eventually see it. I mean, even if this character comes in, and then um, like maybe ten minutes in the movie, we have him rappel up the side of a building, and it sets off his sensor, Ugh, and his head explodes. The worst. 
the worst. That whole if they cut everything bad about that movie, the movie would have been uh, non-existent. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's Suicide Squad again. I kind of refuse to see it, but I have it, so I'll I'll check it out. But um, yeah, a lot of times they'll be like, "Oh well, I don't, I you know, I that that was a movie that had too many fresh eyes on it." <laughs> 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 well played. Um, yeah, so that that's an instance where it's good to have an editor who's like, you know what, I know you really like this actor, maybe they're your friend, or maybe it's their first role, but they gotta go because it just doesn't really do anything for the story. And that's why you see a lot of re-releases of movies that are the director's cut. It's like how they would have cut it, because they don't. Yeah. Um, because they're onto something else. Right, and then also, I, I mean... I don't know. I think uh, editors bring in their own unique perspectives on even just story. Yeah. You know, it's like you can have yeah. a certain set. This is this is kind of like my same theory when it comes to um, if you only shoot the wow, same. Wow, that was a gurgle from my throat. I have no <laughs> idea. That wasn't even a burp. I apologize. You, have, t- you have a, a forest frog in your... Yeah, something. Wow, I tree apologize. Frogs. That is just gross. That was nice. Alex was in the middle of a very, very important discussion. Go ahead, Alex. I was. Okay, go ahead. I was. Uh, I was going to say, um, if you constantly are doing the same thing, like you have your style, your technique, mm-hmm. your, your stuff that you're shooting, um, you're not really growing because you're not going outside of what you're capable of or what you know how to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So having someone else who has different techniques and skills that you don't even know about, you've never heard of, you've never seen, different perspectives on story that you didn't know about, you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I I didn't know this thing that I shot linearly could be edited in a non-linear fashion and it would make the story like way better or something, you know? Like, these are things that are what make collaboration in general very valuable um so i'm gonna check right now because you 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 nailed it on the idea of like this idea of oh if it's not linear you know and stuff like that i want to see if hold on hold on you're talking about pulp fiction no i'm not talking about so i get this i got two examples that kind of the same this is kind of like you know what Memento wouldn't be the same movie if it wasn't edited the way it was. Right. And I don't know if that was like, you know, Christopher Nolan going in there and be like, well, we're going to edit this backwards, or if it's the, uh, I think it was also, it was like a little bit of uh, Jonathan Nolan as well as Christopher Nolan being like, we're going to play this movie backwards. But um, at the same time, you know, sometimes they'll be like, well, you know, if you move this scene over here, Linear, it doesn't really ruin up the timeline, but it makes the story more compelling. And you're like, oh, interesting. Okay, like that. Or if you're doing a split screen, a really interesting split screen, or some other new way to, to, uh, you know, showcase an actor's movement around town or something like that. Um, the other one is before you start thinking that, oh my gosh, as a filmmaker, if I give it off to another editor, my vision's dead because they're going to put their own spin on it. It's not going to be my movie anymore. You can work, and you should work in unison with your editor. And I, the best example I can give anybody of that is watch Baby Driver. Oh man, Baby Driver is the so good. is the love child of um. Oh god, why am I blanking on his name? Edward R. Murrow. <laughs> Wait, who are you talking about? <laughs> Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. Um, Edgar Wright. Nice Edgar guy. Wright. Um, and he had this idea of doing the whole editing to the music that he had already secured. 
Um, but he had an editor on set, and he didn't ever edited it himself. Um, but the editor that he did bring on is was a longtime collaborator and knew exactly what he wanted and was able to nail it. Right. Um, and that just helps. And probably was able to do some things that Edward uh, didn't expect to do himself. Yeah. Edgar Edgar Wright didn't... I said Edward, didn't I? Yeah. Right, <laughs> Cheerio. I, I, I screwed you up. Okay. Yeah, um, this is some things that he probably didn't think of himself. And so an editor is able to bring on some... Like, kind of improve your film with different unique techniques and styles. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh-huh. Maybe this is wrong. like... One of those Hollywood rumors yeah. um, that I picked up uh, in my brain <laughs> okay. that I made up while I was sleeping. <laughs> okay. Um, Pulp Fiction uh-huh. did did um, not Quentin Tarantino shoot it in a linear fashion and then later decide to edit it in a nonlinear way. I do believe you're right. Yeah, if that is I think my that, my brain may be connected to your brain. And saying that <laughs> that is that is correct. I think I I heard that, read that, saw that somewhere. But that's, that's such like a good movie, a perfect example of um, a movie that probably wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, had they just played it straight. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Um, so yeah, so if you're able, to, you know, you know. The cons of not of the I guess that's more of a pro. I don't know why that's under the cons. I guess if you don't edit, if you edit your if you edit your own stuff, you're not going to be able to bring in those perspectives. Is what I was saying. Is that like yeah. it's it's good to bring in those perspectives. And then also, if you're not an editor and you're going to try and edit your own stuff, the learning curve big. Oh yeah, um, it's you know you, you're you need a lot of practice. Kind of one of those. It's one of those things where if you're not an editor and you have your stuff that you're shooting, why would you edit it yourself? Like right. just you could. I mean, a lot of editors don't like it. They'll they'll tolerate it, but you could sit in the editing bay with them. I mean, I think Michael Bay sits in the, with all of his editors, which <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of directors do. Yeah, I actually i I hate that. I hate that. I hate. I just hate having people hover over me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my editing days at Aura, <sighs> I had people hovering over me, and I, I had, had I got those no idea what I was doing. Phone calls. Um, Alex, I think, was actually texting me under the table to ask how to do something because I they were was, standing behind the him. producers were right behind me, and like, why can't you do this faster? And I'm like, well, did um, they really say that? Uh, yeah, I think Jason said that to me. Oh God! Well, uh, knowing Jason, he probably was being sarcastic. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it, it's not easy to edit. Uh, even like technically wise, like getting the, the, the knowing how to use the program, whatever program you want to use, but then being able to tell a a story that doesn't have any jumps. Right. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. And I think, um, a lot, like one big problem that, uh, young newer filmmakers have mm-hmm. is finding the right line between, um, not telling so much that it's just, you're beating the audience over the head with information, but also getting enough information out that the audience knows what's going on. You know, yeah. it's like not confusing yeah, and open-ended when it's not supposed to be. I mean, you know, there's a lot of overlooked categories in the Academy Awards that should have awards, but there's a reason editors uh, get Academy Awards because Definitely. it is a skill that uh, not a lot of people can master. And that's why there's, you know, once you find a good editor to work with, keep them. 
Yep. Keep them around. Keep them happy. Yep. Um, so then it gets into workflow about how you know you go about doing your own edit, and that kind of depends um, person to person how what they like to do. Alex, do you have yeah. an idea of how you go over your workflow first? Like from, let's just say that you weren't handed a hard drive of somebody else's stuff, but you finished, you've compiled, you've done shooting, you've compiled all your stuff on a hard drive. You sit down. What do you what do you work through first? Yeah, well, I'm lucky that I've never had to edit in the days. Well, I guess I did in film school, kind of, but like in the days when you had to like transcode footage, you know, because Nowadays, you can just drag and drop, yeah. you know, footage in and it just yeah. works in Premiere most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so thank God. Yeah. Oh. Um, thank God for that. Thank God. Um, so usually what I would do is take all the clips, uh, all the camera footage, the raw footage, mm-hmm. and uh, make sure that they're in folders. I usually have them by day. Yep. So that I, if especially if I shot it, like it makes sense to me that like I know what we shot each day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there I would go into each day folder and find the takes that I would like and mark them in on each, uh, on each clip. Um, and then even like clip them out and rename them something that I can search yeah, for later. Exactly. Exactly. And put them in bins. Um, this is all within Premiere though, you're saying? All within Premiere, okay. yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. I'm not like really clipping anything and like exporting or like... Yeah. Renaming any files. Yep. I'm just renaming clips that are like something that I is important that I can search for, like establishing shot of something, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I can type in the search bar establishing and all the establishing shots show up. Yeah. Or something like yeah, that. Yep. Yeah. Um and then how do you tend to edit? Do you go like rough, like just dropping in the, the takes that you like and then trying to make them work? Yeah, I, I think so. That's pretty much what I do is I I find, um, I mean, if I, if it's something that I shot and directed, um, I will probably just go by what I had previously envisioned <laughs> yeah. and just like block that in mm-hmm. and then um, go back and try to like make it better, find new things that kind of work. Um, experiment a little bit, yeah, on different different stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of the same for me. I I tend, you know, I do. I used to rename files themselves just so I'd have a better way of doing it. But now that you do proxies, and yeah, I get it. Uh, Premiere does proxies themselves. Um, yeah. But now that there's proxies, I kind of our camera shoots proxies. I don't rename anything, so you can easily link it up. Right. But so I, I kind of do what you do. I organize it by day, by cards, just so I know. And, you know, card one, card two, card three will kind of give you an idea of what time of the day you shot it. Um, so if you know that. And then I kind of go in and I mark it like you do. I mark it down. I figure out what takes I like. And I, what I usually do is I will, especially if the scene was shot over multiple days, is I will go and collect all the. I will go around and collect the clips that I need. So I'll like go to you know day four and grab the clip for the the, the close up on the hands, and then this and this and this, and I'll throw it on a timeline, and then I'll kind of play with it on the timeline, uh, knowing that since it's, I was there when I shot it, what takes are good, um, and then I'll go through and see if it works out. 
Um, and if it doesn't, then I go back and look at other takes and see if this one it plays better here or this one plays right. better here. Um, but especially when I shot it or was on set, I kind of have an idea what take works. Um, it just depends. Do you ever, um, do you ever have like circle takes uh, on set that you like? remember like saying like marking on your script or something like that's a good take yeah and yeah. then it ended up not being the take that you use because- yeah because you know what actually happens is that uh especially if it, it if it just comes up in the way you're shooting where you're not doing like reaction or the uh reverse shot reverse shot uh other person's dialogue right after what i'll notice is that man this take on character a was great i'm gonna use that take yeah Go to character B. Well, her take that uh, that the energy matched, like you know, her reactions, because you know actors will give you different different looks, different readings, different readings, and different looks uh, every take. I'll be like, wait a second, the way she matches up with it, it matches up tonally, but her performance is not that good. So then I have to go and figure out which you know which one do I want to use, and I find one that is like a happy medium where the, this take is good. Maybe not the best, but then it matches up perfectly with the other actresses, you know, take, and it makes the scene better. So, you know, actors and actresses may hate to hear that because their best take was on the cutting room floor, but you can't have like this great performance and then a dud on the other side because it just kills the whole scene. Um, But I have done that. There's like, there's plenty of reasons why an actor's best performance would be on the cutting room floor. Yeah. I mean, there's so many factors that go into, you know, a shot that... You know, maybe the uh, the focus was off or like halfway through the takes, you decided to adjust a light because something was, you mm-hmm. know, bu- bugging you in the background or something. Yeah. And so then it doesn't match up to the other uh, yeah. the other edits or whatever. You know, there's like all sorts of stuff. And if you're if you're a decent director, what you'll do is you'll be able to get that performance out of that actress that you really liked time and time again. And then you talk to the other actor or actress and say, I want you to react this way. So you you should have more than one take of this like really good performance if that's what you like. Because you just tell the actor, that was great. Just keep doing that. Let me go talk to this person over here and get a better reaction for the scene. Yeah. Uh, so very rarely is it where this, the best one of the best takes I see from this person doesn't match up with the best take from this person. Because you just kind of, that's why I do take after take after take. But there's times when I'm, you know, sitting down in the edit bay and I'm like, Wow, you know what? I like this. I like this. This take better. Uh, I like yeah. this performance better. Um, it happens a lot. Yeah. When you when you're organizing your files, do you uh, label them like in the name with the scene number and take number? Yeah. I mean, especially if I'm go. Especially if I don't have a, a assistant editor who's doing that for me, I'll go and watch every take, and then I'll even put notes in it. I'll be like, you know. Scene one, uh, you know, take one, uh, and then I'll do a little description like, uh, let's say the character's name is Jamie. Jamie, uh, close up. Right. And then I'll put a little note, really good or bad or good or bad. And then I can go back and I can grab, go grab it and I'm like, oh, I only have two really good options for this one and I don't have to keep searching. It, you know, the workflow, it really helps to pay off to, to organize it all in terms of that best work for you before you start editing. And like, so you know exactly what clips you're grabbing at any moment. Yeah, totally. Do you, how do you, how do you go about like, do you just watch each clip individually or do you kind of like, 
first go to the one that you thought was good that you have in your notes is, hey, this was good. Look at this. I mean, if I'm doing it for realsies, yeah. I watch the whole clip yeah. and um, and cut everything out and like splice it out. So like, I'll have take one, take two, take three, take four, um, and I'll even label it like, Close up, wide, yeah. you know, establishing, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. So if I am ever needing to, I can go back and type in like scene three, take four F or whatever. Yeah. And um, I can see all the different shots associated with that. Or I can just look at scene one and see all the different takes and all mm-hmm. the different um, angles and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So it's just like right there. Yeah, and I think that's really where uh, an assistant editor comes in because they'll be able to look through all that. Um, and especially if it's an assistant editor that you've worked with a couple times, they'll kind of know your style and they'll be able to label things like, hey, this is the close-up. They probably won't put in notes like, this is a good take, but this is a good take and this is a good right. take or this is a good performance. But, but what if, they'll you do, had a, um, if you had a script supervisor, mm-hmm. you, they could hand over their, their notes yep. and they could make marks of like which takes were circled and all that kind of stuff or like light light dimmed or light shut off or yeah. that we there was a car noise or something like that yeah. yeah yeah and that helps i mean as much planning as it can go into the um organization of your your uh stuff uh your clips and all that before you start editing it's going to save you headaches upon headaches when you are in the edit and you're like where's that clip i need to find that close up of her right maybe uh, based on how our camera labels uh, the clips, uh, maybe X two thirty four five four three two fifty four Z underscore dollar sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so it's like just name it in in <laughs> Premiere. Um, you can always you know export out the 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 uh, file names within Premiere without changing the names of the actual files, especially yeah. if you're going to be handing it off to other people. Um. So yeah, I mean that's kind of uh the gist of editing your own. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's it's I mean editing is one of those funny things. It's like tough, it's really tough to talk about at least for me um on a podcast. Yeah, because it's it it very it, it's very individual specific. How people edit, how they want to edit. It is and also it's just very um hands-on, like visual stuff. Yeah. It's it's very weird like trying to explain things that are so like you just do it. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't even think about editing too much. Uh, when it, <laughs> like you know, like the logging and stuff. Yeah. Like I've never really thought about it in trying to like explain explain it to someone. Yeah. Uh, I just do it. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get into the technical aspects of it, then that is definitely hands on and video oriented and all that. Um, but I mean, just like the philosophy behind editing your own stuff, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I give this I give this podcast a B minus. All right, I'll take it. I'll take yeah. that. I'll yeah. date. All right, so uh, moving on. What is cool, Alex? What do you got? What do you got? What do we got? What do we got? I'm gonna well, do it. I'm gonna break in. Yep, do it. I am fucking ecstatic as all get out. Do it. Um, for do those it. who don't know, here at Cinema Summit and Gilded Cinema, we are big uh, PC proponents. Windows. Yeah, we love boo, our Windows. Hiss. I know. I can hear you from here. Yeah, suck it, guys. Guess what? I can build a computer that is Windows-based that is 
twice as powerful as a Mac for half the cost. Yeah. And then guess what? Yeah. If, one, if one thing goes wrong, I can just pop that out and replace it, and it doesn't go to shit. Yeah, did you hear Trevor Shut push up, up his glasses while he said that? Yerp, yerp. <laughs> yeah, I found a woman to have sex with me. <laughs> um, yeah. Finally. She may not be real, but... um, So... There is big news for us Windows users of Premiere, and that is that finally, finally, after looking for many ways to do it, buying other programs, we have one, two, three Macs at our office just for the sole purpose of exporting in ProRes. Adobe Premiere has been updated on Windows, and now you can export in ProRes. You could always read ProRes. You could always bring ProRes uh project files into Premiere and edit them and all that, but there was no way you could edit, uh, export them out. You could have to do, uh, what you was it? NDX HD? DNX HD. DNX, there it is. DNX HD. And then take it to a Mac computer, Yeah. load it in, and then re-export. Yeah. So, or something. And then, something stupid. DNX HD is basically Avid's version of ProRes, but for some reason everyone's up the ass about ProRes. Yeah, um, man. I mean, when, when I was working in distribution, it's on the deliverables list as ProRes. It's not even like a high-quality digital file. No, they say, I want ProRes HQ or whatever it is. Guys, let me just get this straight with you, all right? DNX HD is a great codec. It yeah. is. I love it. It's the same, basically ProRes. But that being said, especially if you're doing gigs or you're doing some freelance work, they're going to want ProRes. It's stupid. Yeah, just give it to them. Now you can give it to them. But don't worry about it because now you can do it. In mother effing Premiere on Windows. I love it. It's huge. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Never thought I'd see the day. Fantastic. That's my what's cool top number one. Nice. Holla holla. I'm going to do one that you sent me today. Uh, Go ahead. Panasonic 8K yeah. camera announced. Yeah, man. Kind yeah. of. Kind of. This thing is this thing is like a like the stealth bomber uh, back in the 80s when man. nobody wanted to reveal about it. I know, I know. And the, the image looks, I'm hoping it's a prototype, the image that was in that article. I, mean, I think it, it just, I think it's a proof of concept thing. Yeah. Like they're, they're, just, they're literally just trying to put an image out. They're not doing all the bells and whistles and making it look. Yeah, because it looks like something um, you would find under your house, uh-huh. holding the house up. It's like a brick. It's a big black brick um, with a lens on it. There's zero frills, zero design thought you know put into the actual construction of this thing it don't look pretty it don't, don't look, look pretty. pretty and we gotta have a little pretty in our cameras we do yeah. i mean it's like you know those canon cameras that came out that were like we do eight million iso or whatever yeah and they just look like little blocks <laughs> i just am not down with that <laughs> I, i'm sorry i can't do it can't uh, do it but this camera looks very interesting in terms of like the features yeah because yeah. it's an 8k Organic sensor, whatever that means, Panasonic. We told we told about the we when they first announced it. We talked about it in a podcast, and again, yeah. I think it's an organic membrane that's over the sensor or something like right. that. Yeah, yeah some weird like thing. But I, 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 you know, digress. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, yeah. It has a global shutter, Woo! which is nice. So it exposes the entire sensor instead of uh, doing the interlaced lines thing. So you don't get the jelly effect. You don't get the jello. Jello. Um, it's got high sensitivity and wide dynamic range, obvi, as Panasonic do's. Uh, it's got... <laughs> <laughs> Guy almost spit out my water. It's Panasonic got a, do's. 
Stepless Electronic ND that doesn't change color balance, which is kind of cool. I've never seen yeah. that in a camera before. I don't think it ever has ever existed in a camera. Yeah, before. I mean, Stepless ND. I mean, that's like, you know, they have those cool little ND filters that you can put mm-hmm. on the front that you kind of turn and they mm-hmm. they interact with. It's like two panes of glass that interact with each other in such a way to create the effect of an ND that's variable yeah. in nature. Yeah. Um, but it's never existed in a camera, like, uh, in internally. Yeah. Which is, and, uh, it doesn't change color balance, which is huge. Yeah. Um, uh, this is all speculation. Yeah. All speculation. Um, and then this, this last thing I'm not really sure about, it's, it switches between high sensitivity and high saturation mode. I don't know what high saturation mode is. I don't I'm, even get that. I don't get it either. I'm guessing what they're talking about is log versus rec 709 type of color space. Must be where it's because just like high sensitivity. I'm guessing they're meaning like taking in all the taking data, in all the data, like yeah. a raw type thing, high saturation being like a video type mode where it's contrasty and saturated and has colors baked into it. Yeah. That's, um, that's all I can guess about that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all, it's all up in the air because they really haven't announced much of it. This is kind of speculation rumors from a good, well-trusted source. But I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm excited. You know, we talk a lot about how you don't nearly need AK and you don't. You don't. One day, but I mean, for us, we like to do visual effects. AK is good for some plates. There, yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong. No. Well, no, there is a lot of stuff wrong with having too much. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, we went into that way long ago. But yeah, yeah. we did. Um, uh, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens when it actually is released and when they have uh, working stuff going on. Yeah. Um, Hopefully it's prettier for you. Yeah, please, Panasonic, <laughs> come on. Um, yeah. Um, so I also have the the Xenon FF Prime Lens uh, Prime Lens set. Um, I believe it is a set of eighteen, twenty five, thirty five, fifty, seventy five, a hundred millimeter at two point four, two point one. Like the eighteenth, two point four. The are rest these are 2.1. Schneider's Schneider Xenon. Yep, Schneider Xenon full frame primes. Um, and guess what? They will cover a full frame 4K. Full That's frame cool. 4K coverage. I didn't even look at them until just now, but I feel like, um, you know, the Schneider Xenons have been around for a while, but these almost look like compact Xenons. Don't or they? Something. Don't they? Look, they they look kind of nice and small. Yeah. They kind of look like what the um, what they did with the Zeises, the, the the newer, smaller Zeises, the compact Zeises. Yeah. Well, they're not. Um, the. The compact Zeisses are flatter, like pancake Yeah, that's true. But these ones are, um, they're not like that type of small. They're kind of just more like narrow and... Um, slim. Slim. Yeah, they're slender looking. They yeah. look slender. They look very nice. I like them. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it'll cover the full frame of 4K. Um, and, you that's know, cool. Xenons are great lenses, so I'm they all are. on board with this. Um, I don't know if it has... Uh, I don't know if it has the prices, but I'm sure they're expensive. They probably are. One of the things that they mention here is that they have relatively uniform weight and sizes. That's awesome. Which is great for things like gimbals and stuff yep. that you have to balance. And also when you're switching out lenses um, on gimbals, that's one of the worst things is you have <sighs> to rebalance it. Um, yeah, they said they're coming out with a 135, but it's not out yet. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go look at the lineup of side by side, these damn lenses look exactly alike. 
Yeah. No matter what the, the, the focal length is. I mean. Which is cool. They look almost exactly like, let's see. You got 3.3 pounds, 2.7, 2.6, 2.6, 2.6, 2.6. That's insane. Yeah, that's great. And they have the interchangeable mounts, which oh, is dope. So dope, so dope, so dope, so dope. So I, all, dope. all cameras should do that. But I notice, I do notice. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you notice? Uh, curiously, they only have PL, EF, Sony E, and Nikon F. I'm not seeing any, I'm not seeing any Leica L mount. Hmm? What's You're that all really about? butthurt about this new mount coming out. So aren't you? stupid. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Embrace technology. Jeez. <laughs> God, I already have too many. That's Nikon right. Nikon F mount. Like, who uses that? I mean, I'm kidding. A lot of people use that. Yeah, exactly. But. Um, what are you doing? Why would you release a new one? I yeah, don't know. I don't know. There's already too many. <laughs> man, get off my porch. I know. Come well, on, the old problem man. Is, the problem is, like, you got to, well, until now, you had to buy a lens set for each type of thing. That's true. Um, but now they have all the adapter doodaddies. <laughs> but even adapter doodaddies, they don't, uh, they're not great because they have, like, play... You know, they'll, and they they'll take you down a stop. They'll or take two. you down a stop or two. Yep. Um, but the biggest thing too is like I've noticed when you try to focus things, they shift slightly yeah. in the mount. It's not I like mean, a perfect it's mount. Not, it, it's it's a snap on adapter or screw on adapter. It's not going to be like you know built onto the thing. Yeah, I'm sure these are much better. Oh yeah, than those sure. mounts. Those um, adapter doodads, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd rather just have like. One, I'd rather just everything be PL mount. How amazing would that be if everything just, they were like, you know what, we're just going to do one mount. They should. They should. Canon's never going to do that. Canon will no. never do that. No, they're not. Nope. Sorry. What else you got? What's cool? We got one more. What is it? Got one more. And this is very uh, fitting for today's episode. Yeah. Frame, looking over this Frame.io cool. just yeah. released a pretty cool online guide. An extensive guide, An too. extensive guide for workflow in post-production. Uh, everything from capturing the footage, prepping it, editing it, conforming it, VFX, color correction, sound, delivering it, and then some case studies, which is kind of cool. Um, I mean, this is, this is basically the holy grail I've seen so far. It goes in-depth. I mean, they, they were working with a lot of companies on this, like Adobe and all that. Yeah. Um and it uh it's free. Yeah. You can just free. go you can just go online and check it out and we'll drop a link in the uh in the show notes. You can just clickety clickety on it. Clickety clickety. Um yeah, let me actually yeah. I mean it's 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 pretty impressive and it's well done. A lot of pictures for those who are visually uh visual learners. And can I also say oh, I yeah. appreciate um it's it's in a blog. It's not something you could like print out necessarily. I mean maybe no. you could. I don't know yeah. if they have that somewhere. But um what I like is each section of it, once you scroll into it, it tells you how long it's going to take to read it. Oh, man, that's huge. I love that. Big fan. Because then I'm like, okay, I know. I'm not going to be like... One thing that I hate is like starting to read something, and then it's like 20 minutes later, and you're like, I have to go do this thing, but I don't. <laughs> I want to finish this one section. And then you get down, and it's like, next page. It's like, what? There's yeah. another page? Like, oh, my God, there's still... One. I ha and then you start like looking ahead... And you're like flipping through the book and you have like 30 pages left and you stick your finger in there and you're just like reading to get to that point. Yep. Like, man. 
TLDR. Yep. <laughs> Too long, didn't read. Exactly. Um, and also really cool, nerding out here. It has a lighter and dark mode, so you can have the background be bright or dark, depending on what your current uh, situation is for lighting in your environment. Yeah, or, yeah, or easy on the or, eyes. Uh, depending on how your soul is feeling. Is yes. it feeling light or is it feeling dark? Dark. Dark. Fright. Cast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll throw a link to that. It's a great read. It gives you everything you need to know about the uh, post-production workflow. Um, and like we said, it, it's helpful to be on set because they start even uh, talking about capturing. Um, exactly. So, yeah, it's very cool. Check it out. It's a good long read, um, and it will probably answer all your questions on how do you get stuff set up to do visual effects, uh, what happens when you need to deliver to a sales agent or to another country. It's got it all. It's true. And actually, this is, um, it's something that I had wondered about for a long time was, yeah, and maybe we could do for those oh. that are um, also wondering? Um, reading uh, allergic, um, we could do uh, an episode about just workflow because I always wondered like, who does it go to first, like the colorist or the VFX artist? Mm. Does the VFX artist work with raw files? Or do they work with colored files? You know, like all these types, yeah. of, these types of things that I, I wondered what's about. The, what's the, the industry standard procedures and steps? Yeah, like where does it go first? Like the whole process from beginning to end, like yeah. how does it get handed off to people? I think that could be a good one. Maybe we'll do that next time. Cool. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That's a, that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, so, yeah, I think... I don't know. Anything else? I think that's it. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 34. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating and uh, leave us a review if you want to. Hey, yeah. Why not? Yeah, dude, just do it. Make you feel good around the holidays. If you also have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comment section. We'll try to answer them. And also remember that we have Fearless Filmmakers, the online community that we started that is growing. It is free. We put up all these uh, the links to the podcast up there, so you can also comment there and ask us questions there. But uh, join that if you haven't joined yet. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, at Cinema Summit, and we'll catch you next time. Later, guys.